Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Trainer Feed. We are your hosts. My name is David Bravo. We have Angel Sanchez. Yo, yo. And we have uh, Jacques Velager. What's up, everyone? What's going on, guys? How was your week? Week has been good. I can't complain. It's been a little bit chilly outside. I got to say, brought out the hand warmers for a couple of clients, but I've been making it happen. Making it happen. Mad brick outside. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Straight out brick. <laughs> the Ranger, the Rangers have been up too. What's going on? Nice. What's going Where on? Where the Islanders at? Where the Islanders are. Oh man, on? don't talk about them Islanders. They they're they've won like a game. Seven of the last ten or something, but it's just they had such a bad spell. So I was contemplating going tonight, but um might be a little bit too late for them. But hey, that's why we got the Giants, right? Oh wait, we don't. <laughs> Oh no! Nah. Oh no! Nah, but oh, good well, here, man. Um, all right. Well, on this on this episode today, we have uh, Tim Jones. He's a trainer. Uh, he's a colleague of mine, and uh, we're gonna just pick his brain today. How are you guys doing? What's up, man? We're doing good. It's, it's called Team. Up, God damn! I'm 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 proverbially I'm I'm everyone's boss. I'm the guy who who they bring in the meeting, and they're like, "What's up?" And he's like, and then you're like, "You're on mute," and then he's like, "Yeah, I let you talk." Just let him talk. <laughs> What's up, Tim? How's your day? Not much, guys. It's uh, it's it's been pretty good. I mean, we were hanging out for most of this morning, and now I'm yeah, chilling out at home. I'm I'm glad that this camera hides just how much of a mess my lovely apartment is. So I'm having a great day. Why do you think I'm so close to my camera? Yeah, <laughs> you're just like <laughs> just trying to you, block out everything. You, know, you don't even know what's behind that that door behind David. Oh no, let's not talk about that door. It's my uh, it's my fun house. Jack Angel, good to see you guys. Fun room. Yeah, man. How you been? Likewise, good. good to see you. Doing doing pretty well. Um, I actually I was in the same room as Jacques a couple of days ago. We made about three seconds of eye contact. Um, oh, I saw you. Damn, my bad. I didn't realize I saw you. Oh no, 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 I was wearing a mask and I had a hat, so I didn't look like me. Oh. You were in the middle of a conversation, and I was like, I don't want. I'm not going to interrupt the conversation. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm just going to. Gotcha. Yeah, you said you swung by, and I was like, I did not see him. But no, what room Jacques was this? Was. This is the bathroom. Sorry, Jacques knew who you were. Direct room. <laughs> nah, it was yeah the direct room, which doesn't exist. The oh, <laughs> the performance room that you guys have. Yeah, on floor three at the club. Yes. Okay. Big old, oh, yeah. big old, that's the best spot in the club, but yeah, yeah. So we're in the same room. I know we all hung out for David's birthday, yeah. um, which Correct. feels like a lifetime ago in September, yeah, but was, yeah, when we all met. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you for being on, Tim. Well, thank this you. Is for very nice of you. Thank me. you. It's nice of you to invite me. Well, yeah, I mean, to, I think I wanted it to be kind of like a uh, introduction for you, also, and also maybe like a little chit chat, pick your brain, and see where your brain is at when it comes to. Uh, PT because I think when you started or, or before you even started becoming a trainer, you you already had, I think, I think a, a base set of knowledge when it came to lifting, right? I mean, you've, you've been lifting for how long now? Uh, training career is, I think we're going into like five years now. I think we're okay. about there. What was your uh, like background in, in fitness? I mean, we'll get, we'll get into your, into your background in general. Um, because I think, you know, based on what your experience is back in college, I think it's really interesting because I've never, I didn't even know that. Um, and we'll get to that. But for so far, like, um, I hope I don't take a question that some of the other guys want to ask you, but, you know, David, just ask a question. No, 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 no. no. You know, I'm, I'm like David, building up suspense to it. <laughs> just I'm building up some suspense. He's world building. 
Yeah. You know, I, I'm like uh, building a world. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway. Um, what are some myths that you have that you've heard when it came, when it comes to lifting that you've had to debunk with some of your new clients? Oh, geez. Um, I would say you, you guys a thousand percent share this experience, but um, mm -hmm. right, right from the get go, I'm, I'm being inundated with folks who are, are coming in with strength goals. Like they know they want to build strength. They know they want to build muscle and they know that they want to lose fat. They want to, they want to have some, a, a body recomposition of some kind, or they want to develop their strength potential. And the comment I always get is that I, I really want to develop my strength and I really want to learn these movements and whatever, but I don't want to get bulky or, um, or I don't want to look like a bodybuilder. And I'm, I, I sit there and, you know, I, I, I let them have that, that idea that that might be what happens to them. But the thing I want to say is like, you, you guys, if, if, if lifting a bunch of weights made you huge, I would be huge. Like I, I've been tr working out for like multiple years at this point and the effort I would have to do to overcome my own gene genetic potential just to even start to get close to achieving some kind of physique that they might have in mind. It's, it's, there would be a lot of effort, a lot of very precise and honestly, like at times excessive effort I would have to put in to sort of get that result out of my own exercise uh, just because of the, the, the hand I've been dealt by the universe. Mm -hmm. So I think there's kind of a, a misconception that just the act of training and the act of resistance training is going to result in like this one result that is going to be an excess of muscle and that the person's going to be unhappy with that. And I've just been, I've been surprised by that. I think that what they'll actually get out of it is uh, a body recomposition that they'll actually probably be pretty happy with because the results they'll get are probably more in mind with what they might expect from a less intense training regimen. So they can, they can jump right into resistance training and they'll, they'll probably get, you know, these, these results that they're thinking of. So there's no need to be afraid of, of training heavy, of, of going into these places that they might have misconceptions about. Cause like, honestly, the, the guy that's huge, the time it took to get there was longer than they might even be considering for their own training career. It's years and years and years, and they're, they're just getting started. So they don't need to worry about it. How do you, uh, how do you go about that in the beginning? Like when, it, when you're training them for the first time and they've already been like, Hey, Tim, I don't want to get too big. Um, I don't want my veins to have veins, you know, like what, all right, first session, what would you have them do? Like, would you throw them into the lines then? Or, you know, how, how would you program for them? I would say um, first session, I, I wouldn't so much throw them straight into a lion's den in that I, I wouldn't go right into, okay, we're hitting low reps. We're, we're finding like your one rep max today, you know, welcome first day. Um, First day, one rep maxes. We got to, we got to, we got to pull those numbers so we can program from there. I had a guy um, that I, I tried to mentor that was kind of like that. And I was, he like, just wanted to go right into maxes. Yeah. He wanted to do a five rep max for CPT. And I'm like, woof. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> I got, got a little butt hurt, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, at the end of the day, we all kind of gravitate toward programming models that resonate with us, especially considering whatever your education is, your 
experience training people and also just your own experience with your own body. I think the place I tend to start people at is more of, um, it, it eases things in. Yeah. These are higher rep ranges. They're, they're, I might not even put them under a bar to start. You know, we're just sort of simulating movements that they're probably a lot more familiar with. But the whole time I'm doing that, I'm, I'm painting a roadmap for them and I'm letting them know this is the, the, this is the entry point or this is a stepping stone. But do you know what kind of movement this, this you know, represents or this simulates or you might eventually progress to? That one that you told me you know, in, our, in our first meeting when we were talking about your goals, the kind of stuff you want to learn. This is kind of the entry point where we start to lay the foundation build all the building blocks. And I, I more or less just refer to it as getting the reps in. We just mm -hmm. need to sort of get you started, get you used to how this feels in your body so that by the time we start pushing the envelope, we don't have to worry so much about you focusing in on what are your feet doing or are your knees tracking over your toes. That by, by that time, there's some time they need to spend sort of acclimating themselves to the movements before yeah. we start really getting into it and digging deep. Nice. Um, a little... Now I want to ask you about your, uh, your college. Um, <laughs> what's your, what's your degree in? Um, I have a bachelor's of science and a master's of science in aerospace engineering. Um, can you explain what that is? Uh, so pretty much, um, I, I went to Worcester Polytechnic Institute in Massachusetts and a program within their mechanical engineering department is the aerospace program. And uh, within aerospace, you can get your degree in either um, astronautical or aeronautical engineering. Astronautical being rocket science and aeronautical being aircraft. Um, so I did my degrees in aircraft. Uh, nice. Primarily, I focused on aircraft design. That was kind of the thing that jived with me. Jove? Joved with? Jived with me? Jovid. Jovid? That was the thing that jove with me. Know. <laughs> um, thank you, David. And now I'm going to tell other people that's what it is. But that just that resonated with me. Um, unfortunately, you, you don't take your first aircraft design class until you're a senior. So it's like if you end up mm. <laughs> banking on that being the thing you like, and then you don't yeah. like it, like, congratulations, here's a degree you never liked any of. Um, but I, I focused in that I, I kind of had a little bit of a concentration in dynamics and control. Uh, but pretty much it's, 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 it's making stuff fly, make, yeah. make taking things that are on the ground and making them not on the ground. Yeah. I'll call you before on my next flight. Have you like calm me down a little bit? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, we're statistically <laughs> safer than cars. Right. No. Yeah. I, I told that to somebody I forgot who I said, I went, I went to see my buddy who lives in Illinois. These guys know him. Um, his name is Sebastian, but on the way back, no, on the way there, there was insane turbulence on like one little area that I, this is the first time ever that I've literally had to just hold on to the uh, armrest. Yeah. Super fast. I was like, oh shit. No. And then somebody next to us goes like this, literally grabs onto the uh, armrest and then it goes like this. <laughs> like super, super erratic. But at this point, there was no more turbulence. So the plane is just nice and smooth and he's doing that he's still freaking out and everybody's no like pro for this everybody, oh, everybody, no, everyone's like calm the fuck down <laughs> like it's fine well the um, disclaimer is david was that person like, no no it wasn't <laughs> me i wouldn't do that you said you grabbed the armrest and then you said he i grabbed did the this was one while no 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 <laughs> this was while there was turbulence 
And then when it stopped, I was fine. I was cool. I was calm. Mm-hmm. I was collected, you know? Yeah. But then the guy next to me wasn't. Anyway. Your story doesn't um, add up. But you know what? Let's not, let's not die. You know, so what I'm happens, saying it doesn't what make happens any sense. in the air Tim. stays in the air. And uh, you'll be fine. Tim, so how did you, so why, why did you make the jump from what you studied in for so long and then uh, moving into personal training? Like, how did that bridge get connected for you? Um, that's a great question, Angel. And it is a convoluted story that I will do my best <laughs> to condense for time purposes. Um, but, but pretty much I, um, I, I studied in these degrees and I actually, I, I have a career as a theater artist. Um, and I had been unsure what I wanted to do when I was a kid. Uh, and I decided that money was what was important. Uh, so I went into something that would give me a degree knowing that as I, when I had that piece of paper, I would always have that piece of paper and no one could ever take it away from me. And, you know, about halfway through or so I was a junior and I realized that I wanted to push the, uh, the theater career as far as it could humanly go. And if it, if it crashed and burned, at least I would know. And I wouldn't sit around at a desk as an engineer, just hoping that I had. So I was taking on a little bit more and more, official uh, jobs in that avenue uh, as I was finishing my, my bachelor's. And once I sort of got to a point where instead of going to engineering internships the way everyone else was, I was going into like acting internships and, and getting stuff with professional theater companies. It eventually came to a point where I was given uh, by a theater company my equity card. So I was put in the actor's union, which was kind of the permission I needed from myself to be able to pursue this in New York City. So I, I moved to New York and um, I, I moved to New York in October of 2019. So I had a, a oh, nice wow. five months okay. here right before uh, some, some, some stuff happened. You may recall the world ended. Um, <laughs> and that all came crashing down. I actually continued to get work as an actor through the pandemic. So it just kind of continued to confirm that it was the right choice for me, but I've, I've been exercising throughout this. I've wanted to be a coach more or less since a couple of like years into my training age, it was just always floating around in my head. And I remember someone I knew who was a coach, I asked them about it. And I think they gave me an answer like, Oh no, you have to go to school for that, which is not correct. Like that's not true. (laughs) It's, 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 you don't have to go back to a brick and mortar college to, to become certified as a coach. So I just kind of put it as something that, you know, didn't really make sense for me to do right now. And as we sort of the pandemic shook everything back up and we knew we wanted to come back to, to New York City, I decided that I finally wanted to take the, the plunge and become certified as a coach uh, because the time I've spent in the training space had been so long that I had accumulated a lot of knowledge just by pure trial and error within my own um, exercise and the, the things that I had done and I had experienced. And I knew that it was something that would fulfill me uh, just because I've been a geek about the space for so long. And I feel like it's something that can serve me because even when I'm not working on a job as, as an actor, it's something that supports me that I'm, I'm very happy with and I like a lot. And I think, I just think it's something that I do see being part of like this balance in, in whatever the new world is going to be more than, than 
engineering, they were going to need a guy who's ready to sign 10 years of his life into a desk. And that's what it's going to be. And there, there might not be a lot of room for him to go do uh, an acting contract that comes up. So it was something that felt more right. I knew I was already good at it and I, I wanted to be really good at it. So just one of those things that I know I want to be as, as good as I possibly can. So I got certified, took the jump. And since then it's been like a wild ride, but Holy crap. I have, I have been learning so much about people and myself and exercise in general. And it's, it's just been a really cool journey so far. Where can you see this path into health and wellness taking you? Sort of what, what like direction do I see for, yeah. for my own future? Um, mm-hmm. I think I see myself, when I first got into it, I was kind of like, I'm not going to sort of assign myself to any kind of specialty because I want to see if I like the format as it is. And I shouldn't sink a whole bunch of time, effort, and potentially money into something that isn't really working for me. And so far, I already know that I'm a geek for it because I'm just reading a bunch of fitness material in my free time just because I want to know more and I just want to be a better coach. So in the future, logistically, I'm not sure if I see myself sort of holding to being a coach within the context of a company or sort of striving on my own, because there, there certainly is a lot of, to my understanding, demand for people, even within my own industry. Uh, there's an expectation for physique when it comes to entertainment. And, you know, typically those people will come to us, they'll come to you guys and they'll, they'll hire a coach for, for physique purposes. But, you know, if there, it's entirely possible that more and more personal businesses will jump up that serve those people specifically uh, because folks like us understand the context of what it means to prepare your physique for a role, but a role that lasts eight shows a week for, for months at a time. It's not just a photo shoot. You can get really lean for a photo shoot and then get them the hell out because they're about to really start living a a crazy life. But how do you do that for someone who needs to look a certain way for months on end? It it becomes a complex situation. And that's something you see. So go on. Possibly. I, I think I, I'm kind of keeping an open mind right now, but, um, it's definitely possible to just sort of, there's so much latitude within this to, to be able to serve people. And I know that as, as long as I get to be a nerd about, about training, I'll, I'll be happy wherever I end up. So I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. But for the time being, you know, I'm, I'm in this, I'm learning so much from, from my coworkers and the people I have access to. And I'm learning so much from my clients that, you know, I, I know there's so much I can learn from the, from the gym setting that I do intend to stay there for an extended period of time, uh, just from the amount of knowledge there is from people who have a ton of experience as coaches. hundred percent. I think that's where some of us will even attest to allowing most, or most, but some of our, um, major, t- I don't know, turning points in, in, in whether it's learning how to coach technique or just key, he indicated as well, working with clients. I think we will work on each other. I think that's in 76th street where you with David, that's, that's always been that kind of environment to just really feed up each other. I think that's, so it's, it's really good that you've been able to kind of go down the ranks that way as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, a. I I can't think of the, the converse term right now, but it's, it's the opposite of the scarcity mindset that I think a lot of coaches might 
unfortunately fall into where, you know, there's more of a competitive environment and a sense of, you know, we're all coaches with the same pool of potential clients. How can I get those clients over these other coaches? But I think a lot of us have been really fortunate to know people who care about what your strengths are, because if they ever find themselves presented with a client who is honestly just right for a different coach, they have the relationship with you where they're saying, Hey, listen, I have this person, you know, do you think you might want that person? Cause it's a disservice to the client. If you're going to take them on knowing that you might not have the best capacity to get them to the goal. Sorry, I just slap my microphone to get them to the goal that they're, that they're I'm hiring. down, Tim. Fuck. Sorry. Relax. So you know what though? Just chip, Angel wants to jump in real quick, but you'd be, you would think that would, that would deter people or guide people to, ensure the right matches take place but that doesn't always happen unfortunately that doesn't yeah but i think the nature of the business doesn't really help that either right i mean right you know a lot of a lot of places are very volume driven you know and which makes number sense, driven bro. and which sucks i think but you know you might disagree with me or not but i think that's when it comes down to you being right like knowing where does that you that your heart is and what you know what what you want to do with your client where you'll be like, you know what? Okay. I, I, I gave you an X amount of sessions and I'm happy with that. I'm not just going to throw all my expertise away just to do an extra five, you know? So, yeah. But when they ask me about Tim, I'm like, I don't know that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I was going <laughs> to ask a couple of questions. So um, I hate to double back, but, um, I was listening to a show the other day and they said that, um, you don't typically find engineers with like that much personality and to have <laughs> the personality and then on top of that, just like, uh, energy to be in front of a camera. That's another thing, right? Cause you can have energy and all that stuff, personality privately, but still not have enough to be in front of a, uh, a screen or be in mm -hmm. front of people. And looks. so, and you David know. says, looks, there you go. Hey, Everybody looks, check you know, him out. Tim, Tim is high, bro. Your you can, um, check out the YouTube. <laughs> um, so how do you balance that? And do you find any conflict with that within yourself? Like not finding that many people who wear as many hats or wear the hats that you have. Um, and sometimes that could be a little bit conflicting, you know, like personally or spiritually or whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you balance that? Um, I would say I, I, I walk around with just as much imposter syndrome as I think anyone else would uh, on, on, a, on a daily basis. But I think I eventually I, I did find solace and actually some enjoyment in the fact that I am as confusing as a person as I am. Um, whenever I'm on a job, I actually I put in my uh, when when you're when you're attending a show, you receive a playbill. Um, and if it's an equity show, it should have at least the, the bios of, of everybody who's um, at least in the cast. And I almost always put first that, that I'm an aerospace engineer, mostly because I think it's hilarious to just have people be reading it and kind of just like make a face where they're like, what the hell? Like, I, I just, I think that's, I think that's a positive thing. And I think it eventually just reached this place where I, I accumulate multiple hats to wear all at once and at different times. And I eventually just kind of found an acceptance in that. And that's, that's just like who I am as a person. I like having all these different things that I can feel equally confident in. 
I definitely, I, you, you would be surprised at how many folks in the tech industry are this way, like do have sort of this kind of energy and, and this kind of um, volume to them. And it's, it's not as common as it might be in, in other industries, uh, especially ours. I think a lot of us tend to have um, a bit of a better connection working with clients if you're able to have at least at, at bare minimum, like a somewhat enjoyable <laughs> presence. Some people may seek out something less than that, but I, I would say that most of us benefit from connecting with our clients, at least in, in, in some fashion. And there's, I, I also loved how, you know, introverted and awkward a lot of a lot of my friends uh from college were and i do i do crave that sometimes like i'm so inundated with extroverts that i just i long for the people who just like want to play smash brothers and make math jokes like i i still i still love it but i i eventually just reached a place where it's i i am all of these things at once and that's cool with me i i do have to sort of make the active decision to not so much wear a ton of that on my sleeve per se, uh, just because sometimes the things that make me great in my, um, in my theater career don't necessarily translate well into the training space uh, just because somebody might not take me as seriously as I need them to or, or something like that. But it's, it's the same way that anyone else would maybe like alter their behavior just, just to read the room. But I, I just, I came to love it. I did come to love it about myself. I, I knew that I was different in my speech, my behavior, especially in the rooms I would walk into. And I just, I chose to view it as a strength because I think it does set me apart from a lot of other folks. And I think that me being this way gives people who that resonates with permission to sort of like gravitate. I think, I think people just enjoy spending time with people who like life and like being big. So it's worked out for me. Cool. Uh, it's, it's awesome to see that you have that depth. I'm getting like uh, Tony Stark's vibes. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Graduated MIT at 14 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got uh, rejected then, by MIT. Holy smoke. <laughs> let's, let's not go down that one. We'll save that <laughs> one for, for a locker room chat or something like that. Um, what if, so at Equinox, you might find that you'll come across a lot of different people. So I wanted to go forward into what we were previously talking about, uh, being at the gym, being in the club, and you see a lot of different opportunities pop up in terms of coaching and learning, things of that sort. But you also get opportunities in terms of the people that you meet, um, mm -hmm. whether it be like celebrities or athletes or people that you've read about. Um, if there was like an athlete or a celebrity that you could train, mm -hmm. who would it be? And why? Um, are you looking for like a name, like a specific name or a type of a type? of? Uh, if you if you got a name, I would like to check out the name. I'm not going to be good with it, but David probably knows. And then we'll bounce ideas well, around. I, I might I might avoid saying names because some of these people are people who do train at our at our okay. places of work. So probably best to probably best that, to preserve. It's the trainer feed. No holds barred. Uh, so how about a type? If you, if you don't feel comfortable with the name, how about a type? Is there like well, a, a position that the athlete plays or like a type of movie that the actor or actress is in? I would say I, it, it, that kind of gets me thinking a little bit. I think the thing 
that I would love to train someone in would, would probably be someone who I can relate to from the entertainment industry, somebody who's either in like film or television, but I would, I would seriously sink my teeth into the opportunity to train somebody who is for the sake of the role required to have an element of physicality. So there's not, um, it's not just a, a physique that is the goal. There is function to it. Um, so picture your, your Henry Cavill's for the Witcher, your, uh, your Keanu Reeves for John Wick, like they're doing these things and to, to sort of hone in, let's, I mean, let's say Henry Cavill for, for the Witcher, so much of the, um, combat choreography that he has to handle is with a fully weighted weapon. And he has to have a pretty robust posterior chain to be able to pull that kind of weight and not swing with like actual force. So a lot of the stuff you're going to have to do is going to have to be very functional in order for him to execute the stunts that he has to do on set. So I would really, really love to have somebody who is going to be doing their own, at least a, a majority of their stunt work so that it's not just a look you're giving them, but it's a lot of stuff they're actually going to need just to stay safe on, on set because they're doing it for hours a day. And you have to train them on top of that because they're probably training in concurrence with the shoot once the shoot is actually happening. That makes a lot of sense. Even um, I think like Jackie Chan does his own stunts. There's oh, a lot yeah. of people who like fly around the room, jump over real cars, you know, land. They have to learn how to stick a landing. So there's a lot to that. But that would be very, um, I would love to train somebody like that. Who would you guys want to train? Yeah, I'm curious. Me, David, I would. Yeah, David, you go first. Who? David, you go, you first. go first. Oh, me? Um, Pearl Jam. Well, we're Pearl one Jam. of the topic of stuntmen. <laughs> I'd love to... Wait, what'd you say? I said Pearl Jam, the whole band. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That'll be fucking awesome. Yo, if whoever's listening to this, if you guys can make it happen, you let me know. Pearl Jam, if you're listening. I will do it for free. I'm not even lying. Anyway, um... Since we were on the topic of stunts, I'd like to train some of the jackass guys. That'd be awesome. Imagine okay. training they Johnny don't Knoxville. Train for that. Imagine mean? no, but this is the thing. Imagine training Johnny Knoxville. Be like, hey David, I have a jackass four coming up. I don't want to I want to hurt, but not too bad. You know, I think the point is that they might break their spine. But that's the thing. The that's the thing. You show them, you show them how to <laughs> do it properly. Pain. You show them how to break their backs properly. Oh, He's gonna do everything with them. Do like, hey, it's a bat hit. Let's do a deadlift. By way, yeah. with some exactly. Be like, All okay, right, let's deadlift, but the wrong way. Well, real just to prep the them. You know, let me have you work out. You can't herniate a disc if it's already herniated. <laughs> You're wild. What about you guys? <laughs> I have, um, personally, I have kind of two, two in mind for this. So one. One of the either Sandy a tennis Murray, prof- I swear to God. Yeah, that was one of them. So I have like, th- I have like three. <laughs> no, I need because I think coach uh, walking and coaching a tennis player has so many interesting facets about it. One, you you pre- when when you prepare an athlete for something, as you mentioned, you know Henry Cavill, if he's on set for a certain amount hours of out of the day, it's pretty much you know controllable and variable. Where all right, it's between eight and ten hours of filming as long as it takes for a while. Well, tennis, the thing I find fascinating, I think will be good for training is that you don't know if when they step on court tomorrow, if they're on court for an hour or five hours, it's, it's such a widespread variety of how, like just how the match goes. You cannot predict how it's going to go. Whereas whether it's, um, 
basketball has four quarters, whereas hockey has three, uh, three thirds, 20 minute. Um, soccer has two, fuck, 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 say that. Football has two, 45 minute halves, whatever. Anyway, everything is pretty set. So, and the traveling you do with tennis, you go all over the world. So I think that's kind of fascinating too. That's always been a dream of mine. And then uh, I'd like to train someone else, such as maybe one of the one of the hockey pros, just because it's such a sport I've been really into. So I'm a big Ireland fan. There's like a couple of guys that what I did was don't laugh, but when these guys were testing positive for COVID, and some of these guys were it was kind of crazy. So if they traveled to Detroit and they did a test that morning, well, you can't travel for 10 days. You're stuck in a hotel room in Detroit for 10 days. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just start DMing all these players. Twitter, tweeting at them, DMing them, all of them. I did about a couple, right? A few. And I was like, hey, you're in isolation. I want to offer you some, you know, a virtual workout completely on me. They have not, no one ever saw it responded. But the point was, I was like, I have nothing to lose. What They're in a room for 10 days stuck. Well, you, what are you going to say? No, like you're not doing anything. So that was kind of like my pitch and obviously nothing happened out of it. But, and then uh, maybe one of these Avengers, because as you said, they're already in that mindset. They, they, they come to work. They're not, looking to have a cop out there they're coming to work and then you see your product on tv in a movie and even though the person put the walk in it almost has your signature at the bottom you know and that is just that is a living um business card right that you it, it is out there right so What's interesting, you probably don't know, Tim, but these guys know. I work with someone who was in a show, and but they were very discreet about disclosing who they work with. So I never got any credit. I respected the client's wishes, but that was something where I was hoping to be that scenario. And they don't always want their uh, details out there. So I respected it. I just was, uh, I just thought about it, but there's always, that possibility too. Always brag about your coach at any gun show on, on Instagram. She's my coach. Always brag about your coach. <laughs> you have a coach Jacques, can i ask you a question before we hear angels yeah are there any like go-to sport specific sport specific exercises that you would ask a tennis player to perform in a session that you might not necessarily run you know your average client through yeah, uh or does it mostly look i like think you'll mo- yeah honestly almost, i think the only thing different might be, I think, because at the end of the day, my mindset is very similar to these guys too, but you want everyone moving optimally and to their best of their ability. And I think tennis is the same thing, but just on higher level. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, the only thing I'd say be different is I don't think it'd be anything specific. I think there would just be more focus on single like patterns because someone such as tennis, you never, you not you don't really move on uh, with both on both limbs at the same time. It's always off one limb, right? Pushing off one limb, pushing, running, whatever. But what's interesting, I'll tell you this, is that I mentioned Andy Murray is my favorite player, but I met him in like 24, 2015, I think, like meet and greet. And then what's funny is that same day I met his coach he just parted with a few months earlier. And being a coach, only I knew him because he's a random dude on the street, but I spoke to him for 10 minutes. And it was when I just started getting into the industry and I asked him, his name is Jez Green, if you want to look him up. He still walks with pros now. And I said, what did you do with him? How did you? He says, honestly, I made it up. He didn't have a set blueprint. He didn't have set exercises. He just like, Andy was a certain athlete. Andy, he said, he said like, he is a freak of nature. This guy is an absolute animal. He said you had, obviously this is 
2015, right? So you have, he goes, you have Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer are in like their own pool. Like Djokovic probably at the top. And then Murray's like just, and then after that, it kind of like peters out with the other guys and the rest of the league in the tour. And uh, he just said that these guys are just such freaks. They're just such animals that he had to really adapt with. But he just says, you really think about what movements they're going to do whilst playing. And I know David and I spoke about this before where they, I want to say Mike Boyle said, if you want to get better at sport, just play it, just practice it. So there's that fine line between just practicing what you need to do in the actual game and the event and then movements that can help you explode off to help replicate it in the, in the game. So if it's single leg strength or how far, how effective you can be of pushing off of one leg, right? Because if you're reaching for, if you're going for a drop shot or if you're running back for um, a lob, for example, you're likely going to push off of one foot more than the other. There's just tendencies. So maybe you focus on the explosive patterns when they're pushing off of one leg. And, um, but I just thought that was very enlightening for me and my career when I heard a coach who's what and still walks a pros and say, I make it up. I was like, Oh, there's not, he suggested certain certifications to get. So, uh, he said, um, Olympic weightlifting. And he said, after that, you, you learn as you go. So I thought it was, you know, cause I thought it was, you know, have to be certain schools, certain methods you have to learn. And he's, and I think that just that says a lot with different coaches, right? I think people will criticize, Oh, this is what they should or shouldn't do. And it's like, well, if it's walking out on the court, what are you going it, to, it's hard to argue against that. So that's that I know I kind of went away from your answer, but that's just how I would look at it. Well, no, it makes sense too. Cause I mean, no one, no one ever broke a mold doing what everyone else does. So if the coach has a mindset of going outside the box a little bit, you might find something that really translates into the player's game in a way that helps them do something no one else has done before. So I, I think it's an awesome mindset to have. Absolutely, man. Angel, what about you? Damn, I even forgot. Jacques was telling his lifelong story about his life story. Andy, Andy Murray. <laughs> no, I, I would say, uh, I, I don't want to say anybody in specific, um, but definitely either somebody in baseball or somebody in football. Um, I think that those two sports are kind of where my brain would benefit from working with somebody and um, definitely somebody who wants to learn. Right. Because I guess you come across a lot of people and athletes and celebrities or, you know, people just day to day that don't really want to learn about why they're doing one thing versus the other. And I find that I have the most fun and I enjoy the sessions the most when people ask me about, you know, why is this over that or what does this do in particular? You know, they just have a genuine interest. Um, I find that's really helpful for me because then that makes me make sure that my programming is on point. Um, and then also it helps me stay engaged and then helps me think of other things, um, for that person. And then I start to explain why I think that when you first start out training somebody, you're always talking about why this, why that. And then as you continue to train them, that kind of like filters out because you've kind of, you know, hammered that in over a period of time. But I think it's beneficial to have somebody who's genuinely curious. So that way you can stay engaged both you know, from, like I said before, just personally, you're just invested, you're engaged, but then also programming wise, you think of new things, you think outside the box. Um, and then when it comes to athletes, there'll be people who are uh, specimens, right. And they'll just knock out anything you throw at them. So it's kind of like, if that's there, then what else is there? Right. So having that intellectual dialogue about why this works best with that person, um, will help me kind of like continue to grow while still training somebody else. So it's not just like, I did it. I trained so-and-so I reached the apex and now 
all the other peons can come to me or whatever. It's like, no, I've met the person that helped me get to this point. And now I'm going to continue to grow based on our conversations about programming and training and physiology and things like that, because that athlete wants to continue to do better. And then um, I also want to continue to learn from that athlete or from that person. When you, when you say football, do you mean American football or football? American football. Although, although um, okay. I have been reading, there's a lot of research surrounding um, football, football. So soccer, football, mm-hmm. um, I guess, because it's a bigger sport. Um, and there's a lot of research studies about different athletes and what works and what doesn't work. So that would also be another way to get a foot in the door, no pun intended. But I think that they're, they have more evidence-based um, work out there that's already published. And it would be easier for me to get in that way, probably just, you know, working with those athletes. Cause there are a lot that people know about like what injuries do they tend to get? Like, how do you train somebody like that? So maybe that wouldn't be a bad angle either. I'll start in, showing up, uh, start showing up all over the city in soccer fields. In terms, in terms of American football, I, I can't remember where for the life of me, I heard this. Um, but I heard that uh, professional like, like pro American football players should not perform full range of motion deadlifts from the ground. They should only do hang cleans. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I've heard about that before. Right? Like, what's the deal with that? I don't think they ever like went into that at all. And I was like, I guess there's a higher, just the risk of injury is through the roof and you don't want to put your guys out just because you were putting them through a heavy training cycle. Like, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I think that's where it stems from. I think it stems from people just not knowing how to perform a deadlift properly and or not having the tools needed, right? So maybe a barbell deadlift isn't right for everyone. Um, and maybe you should use a hex bar or maybe you should use dumbbells or you should use a different uh, tool in order to do that movement pattern if you're sold on that movement pattern uh, to the point where people are just like, screw that, we're just gonna do hand cleans because we want power development and that's what we're gonna do. I find it weird that they say not to do full range deadlifts and then go to something so much more technical. It's it's interesting. Yeah, right? hand clean. I don't know. That's wild. I mean, I have my own thoughts on that, but it's like, it, it, I think a lot of it comes down to the coach. If you're not teaching somebody properly how to do something, okay, you know, maybe somebody else should step in. But if you're completely negating something just because they're like in the iron graveyard, it's like. But- that's what I also mean about like training somebody who's interested in it, because then you can come across the athlete. I mean, the, you can put the blame on the coach. You can put the blame, blame on the, the client trainee. Um, but if they're not really interested in it, which some athletes aren't, they're not really interested in what they do, why they do it. They just want to, you know, check a box and then get out of there so they can play their sport, which they love to do. Um, it's kind of hard to go over something like form or it can be difficult to do something that's a little bit more technical. I don't know. So they just, that's why I would like somebody who's interested because even if that person's interested and they got crappy form, at least you can have that dialogue. But if they're not interested, it's kind of like, damn, well, you know, LeBron James just has a crappy squat, but you know, he's LeBron James. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure it's sports specific. That's not like shot yeah i'm i'm yet to to train someone with a super specific sport that their that their training will have to reflect but i'm 
I'm predominantly given um, people who are marathon runners who want to improve their strength because that's that's my modality of choice, um, hybrid athletism of marathon running and powerlifting in concurrence with each other. And it's hard to convince someone <laughs> to train even just in a range of motion that they might not be able to connect the dots on exactly how that will translate into their sport. And it's just like, there's a little bit of, it's harder when it's runners because it's like such a limited range of motion. How do you convince a runner that a squat is going to help them in the long run, pun intended, but like, I don't know. I'm curious how, what, you know, how you sort of tackle that when someone's like, listen, man, if that's not gonna, if that's not gonna make my, whatever it is, if that's not going to translate into my power on the football field or whatever it is, then like, why are we doing this? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you want to answer that and go down that rabbit hole on this episode, but you know, <laughs> more, yeah, more. Yeah. Rhetoric. I mean, a lot of it has to do with, I mean, I know people might disagree with my opinion on that, but I think if you sign your name on a contract to play a professional sport, then I think the athletic director and the coach know what they're doing to some extent. And I get that you want to play the sport because it's what you do, but you also want to, I guess, stay injury free doing the sport and maybe get better as you get older. You know I mean? LeBron James is still playing, but that doesn't mean that every single other NBA player is a LeBron James, you know? So that's, I think that's my thought, but when it comes to things squatting and getting people to want to do a full range of motion squat, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, getting the musculature around your limbs that are you that you're putting so much impact on on a daily basis getting them stronger and research shows that doing a squat full range of motion where it could add a lot more load on the joint itself it's still a lot safer than doing a squat that's just half range you know um but again it has to do with how much a person really wants to listen and whether or not you trust yourself as a trainer to be like, no, you know, if you don't want to do this, I don't know how I can help you. And that's, that's just me. You know, I, you know, I understand that a lot of people that are like, Oh no, you just, just take the client modify. But also do you want to go into every session knowing that you could be doing something better, you know, for the client themselves, or are you just doing it for the hour? You know, and that's, like I said, that's a whole nother topic that could be, you know, you could go on. Yeah, I would for, argue that, yeah. but I'm not such a long time. Detract you know? from Tim's interview, but I we'll we'll go back and forth with it. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Tim. It has been an honor, a pleasure. It was great, David. You wanna say farewell to your buddy until tomorrow? Hi, Tim. No, but um. <laughs> Um, well, how can we find you? How can, you know, the listeners find you online on the net, you know, you have a website, you have your, your IG handle email. If somebody ever wants to, you know, pick your brain. Um, I would say that if anybody ever wants to pick my brain, um, you can find me predominantly, uh, on Instagram. It's at Tim has glasses, um, which I'm not wearing, but I do have them. They were just reflecting false advertisements. I took them off cause they were reflecting with the screen. Okay. Um, but yeah, Tim has glasses is my Instagram handle. Uh, you can find me there. And to the three of you guys, thank you so much for inviting me on. This was a ton of fun. Um, I, I really appreciated, uh, you guys letting me flip the script and interview you guys at the end there for a little bit. Um, but I, I seriously appreciate it. Uh, I have been, um, pretty avidly listening to the podcast for a little while now. And I think you guys are putting awesome information out. I'm definitely recommending it to people. 
And I think that Thank there's you. just so much that people can learn from talented, educated, and experienced coaches. So thank you guys for putting out good info. Thank you, man. Thanks. One last thank thing. I want to ask you, uh, for your name on the title of this episode, would you like me to write T-I-M or T-Triple-E-M? Um, dealer's choice. Okay, perfect. Got it. It's an insider. Sorry, guys. You guys had to be there. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Thanks for joining Tim, us. Appreciate it, Thank man. you, guys. Appreciate it. Be I well. I guess I'll see you around. Thanks, Tim. Bye, guys. Bye. Cool. That was Tim Jones. Not to be confused by for Tom Jones, but um, or Ted Jones from Pineapple Express, or Jim Jones. You're um, you're. Wait, Jim Jones, not the Kool Aid guy. That's another. That's a whole other guy. Do you remember Jim Jones, the Kool Aid one? No, he was the Kool-Aid. cult leader, I think, that made everybody in his cult drink oh, the Kool Aid no. to kill themselves. Holy smokes! Yeah, I, th- I think that's his name. I know. Hold on, I may be wrong. Um, that's wild. Yeah, no, that's, that's it's him. He's a yeah American preacher. Oh no, that's yeah. unfortunate. Anyway, sorry. What happens when somebody ruins your name? You know, uh, well, what same, can I tell you? Um, same name as you. You know what, Jacques? No one ruins your name. They just purposely mispronounce it. it. No, I don't. Whereas having it, it mispronounce it. There could be. Whereas having somebody in history named Jim Jones, That's you know, like be like known for killing people. <laughs> <laughs> like, is there a Jacques that has killed many people in the past, Jacques? There probably is. I'm maybe sure there. The, I'm sure maybe there the is. fish feel the same about Jacques Cousteau. I don't know. I was just gonna say that. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Oh, wrap it up. We'll catch you guys in the next one. You guys, Peace. have a good one. Bye, guys.